Hi, everybody. Welcome into a brand new episode of Locked On Nittany Lions, your Penn State podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Wednesday, June 17th, 2020, and today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. I'm Kevin McGuire, your host here as always, welcoming you once again to the podcast and inviting you and encouraging you to help support the show by staying connected with all of the social media platforms such as Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Locked On Nittany. We're also on Twitch at Locked On Nittany. And of course, you can subscribe and rate and review to this podcast on all of your favorite podcasting apps. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, Overcast, whatever you're using these days. We are available for you on those platforms. And you can also tell your home smart devices to play the Locked on Nittany Lions podcast at any time, too. So if you're in your living room or on the patio, the deck, by the pool, in the kitchen, wherever you are, whenever you're ready for it, the Locked on Nittany Lions podcast is ready for you. Now, in today's episode, I have an interview with Stephen Lassen, the college football editor from Athlon Sports. We're going to break that into a couple segments over the next couple of podcasts, but we're going to talk about the upcoming season, the preview magazine process, and of course, Penn State, get his take on the Nittany Lions going into the new year. We'll also talk about some of the Big Ten and some of the more national storylines as the interview progresses throughout the rest of the week. We are also going to touch on some of the latest news coming out of Penn State football as far as the return to practices and, of course, a player entering the transfer portal. And the College Football Hall of Fame has released its ballot for this year's class of 2020 in the College Football Hall of Fame. And a couple Penn Staters are on that. We will talk about that later in today's episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Let's get going. Heading into the 2020 season, there are a couple question marks that Penn State will have to face, especially with the offense, with some new coaches, and just trying to figure out who's going to be the go-to wide receiver in the fall. But one of the questions that they don't really have to worry about is really their quarterback situation. We all kind of expect that Sean Clifford will continue to be the starting quarterback for the Indian Lions, with Lola Levis giving the primary backup role. If anything that we missed out on in the spring was seeing how the race for the third-string quarterback position was going to shape up a little bit and now one of those options or likely candidates is potentially on his move out of Penn State it was reported as Penn State returned to voluntary workouts this week that Michael Johnson Jr. has officially entered the transfer portal the news was broken by uh, 24-7 sports as they typically are on top of those kinds of developments he's a redshirt freshman from Mississippi didn't get a chance to play last year again as a redshirt player Uh, Didn't even uh, take advantage of the four-game allowance that you have to retain your redshirt status uh, last season. Uh, But I think there there was some anticipation that he was going to be a pretty fun project uh, in the years to come. Maybe not necessarily getting a chance to compete for the starting quarterback position this season. But who knows? Maybe after this year, maybe he could have played a little bit more of a role if he continued to develop. Bottom line is he's very likely now going to be moving on to a new program. And again, once you're in the transfer portal, you don't have to leave your current school. And it's not unprecedented that players do decide to take their name out of the transfer portal and stay put where they currently are. But I do think that the majority of players do eventually move on to another college program uh, for whatever reason. And again, we don't really know all the reasoning behind 
Michael Johnson Jr.'s decision to enter the transfer portal. We don't know exactly what uh, he's got in mind, but I do think that this is not totally unexpected. I mean, Penn State has a good number of quarterbacks in their quarterback room right now. Uh, we, we already know going into this season that the top two guys are probably pretty ironed out right now with uh, with uh, Clifford and Levis. So it's not entirely surprising to see a guy that may have been a little bit further down on the depth chart, maybe try to explore his opportunities elsewhere. And I think we do typically see this with a lot of quarterbacks these days in college football with this transfer portal. Uh, a lot of quarterbacks seem to be open to exploring their options and maybe moving on to a new program relatively early on in their college years. And I've always said I've got no problem if a player wants to transfer to another program and put themselves in a position that they feel is better for them. Uh, with a lot of quarterbacks getting a chance to play early on, it's going to lead to quarterbacks that come in to a program uh, early on in their recruiting cycle or, oh, I'm sorry, their collegiate eligibility. They're probably not going to get the playing opportunities that were probably <laughs> floated along the way in the recruiting trail. We all know how that all plays out. So again, I don't really know if this is a decision that Michael Johnson Jr. has decided that uh, he's not getting the playing time. He feels like he's going to be able to find playing time elsewhere. That's one of the things that he'll probably evaluate as he moves forward. Again, he's from Mississippi. We'll be curious to see if he goes further south, if he goes maybe to an SEC school, because he certainly has talent. There's so, still certainly a good amount of potential, and so he's going to be a nice welcome addition to any program that he may end up joining. Again, it doesn't officially say that he is leaving Penn State at this point, uh, but he is now in the transfer portal. And so as a quick reminder as how the transfer portal works, a player decides that they want to explore their options, open up their recruiting a little bit, um, have contact with other coaches and other college football programs without penalty from the NCAA. It's totally illegal to have these communications now. Uh, he, he is now free to have those discussions and evaluate uh, all of his different options that could potentially be in play. And again, I do think that there will be some good options here. I mean, programs are always looking for some talented quarterbacks, and I do believe that there's some good potential still to, to have on tap here. With Michael Johnson. So I'd be very curious to see uh, what schools are going to be interested, what schools he's going to be interested in, and where he ends up going. I do think that he's going to be going somewhere to play some FBS football. Uh, of course, if he does leave Penn State, uh, he will have to sit out the upcoming season. Even though he redshirted last year, the, the standard rules until they're changed, which they could very well be at any point, he will have to sit out a year and uh, he will be eligible to return in 2021 with whatever program he goes to. Now that he has officially entered the transfer portal, Pense is no longer obligated to hold his scholarship on the roster. Even if he decides to stay at Penn State, that scholarship may not necessarily be there when he makes that decision. It could very well be still available to him if he decides to stay at Penn State, but uh, Penn State is no longer officially obligated to honor that uh, scholarship uh, spot for him on, within the program. That's how it works with the transfer portal. So, again, we'll have to wait and see. We know that you know, Penn State recently has had a handful of players go through the transfer portal, leave for other programs, and there have been some talented players that have gone on to some other situations and found some meaningful roles. Uh, so we'll see where he goes uh, if he ends up going anyway. As for the current quarterback situation, again, Nothing really to worry about, I think, as far as Penn State's concerned. The only thing I have uh, some questions about is the fact that you've got new coaching, 
uh, new coaches on this coaching staff, and you have some uh, development still to do with some young quarterbacks uh, like Sean Clifford, and not getting a chance to have that spring practice schedule certainly kind of puts things a little bit behind the curve. But I do think that now that players have been returning to campus and getting a chance to go through some voluntary workouts and getting set for some off-season conditioning uh, within the athletic facilities, I do think uh, that'll be a good sign that things will start to come together with this offense, I think, moving forward. Coming up in our next segment, we're going to begin with part one of our interview with Stephen Lassen from AthlonSports.com. Again, college football editor there. I was very excited to get some time to sit with him uh, through the wonders of Skype <laughs> over the weekend and record about a 40-minute conversation. Uh, for the sake of this podcast, I am going to break it into chunks. Today, I'm just going to show or share one segment where we talked about Penn State. And then in Friday's episode, I will share the conversation we had about more about some of the Big Ten storylines and some of the more national storylines and some more stuff about the production of the magazine this year for the Athlon Sports College Football Preview Magazine. So coming up, we will have our first interview segment with Stephen Lesson from AthlonSports.com. For now, I'll talk to you guys about rockauto.com. Now, I've said before, when it comes to my car, I know I need to take things seriously, but I'm not very well informed. So I get a little nervous anytime I have to buy anything or fix anything with the car, and I tend to rely on the experts. Well, the good news is the experts at rockauto.com are there to help you find the best prices for all the parts that you need for your car or truck. Look, one reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can use for other important things like mortgage or food or bills or whatever the case may be. So why would you choose to spend 30, 50, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com <music> Well, it's that time of the year again. Every time when I'm walking through the grocery store, I make sure to stop and check the magazine section for the college football preview issues. You know what I'm talking about. But today I am pleased to welcome one of the men behind one of the best in the business, which is from Athlon Sports. He is college football editor Stephen Lassen. You can follow him on Twitter at Athlon Stephen. Stephen, it is so good to talk to you again. How are you doing? Hey, Kevin. I'm doing great. It is always good to talk to you. And it's always good to be talking preseason magazines, the college football season, maybe even more so than ever. This has been an unusual offseason, so I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, it really is. And that's one of the more comforting aspects of what I just said, going through the grocery store or, you know, the, the department store, Walmart, Target, whatever, and seeing these college football previews. When I see the Athlon Sports cover, as I'm walking through the store, I know things are starting to get back to a little bit more of a more sense of normalcy. I don't know where when we'll actually be there, but the fact that we are talking some preview content and seeing these magazines starting to hit the newsstands, it's fantastic for me. Uh, I know we still got a long ways to go before the start of the season, but uh, I know that's reassuring and hopefully it's comforting for a lot of people out there. So real quick, before we get into some of the questions I have for you today, let's just remind people how they can get a copy of the Athlon Sports College Football Previews. Absolutely. The official on-sale date 
was June 2nd. That's for the SEC Regional Edition and the National Edition. The National Edition has a preview of all 130 teams in it, the SEC, a little bit more um, in-depth previews of the 14 SEC teams and some national coverage as well. Those hit the newsstands on June 2nd. They might be a little bit delayed. They could be just getting there in some spots because of all the shutdowns and and everything else going on. So um, June 2nd on the newsstands, but also you can order it on our website, athlonsports.com. At the very top banner, there's a buy your magazine here. If you, It takes you to our online store where you can order any cover you want. So if you're a Nebraska fan living in Pennsylvania, you can get the Nebraska cover. Or if you want a Alabama cover and you live in California, we can get it shipped to you. We are also having a digital edition this year, and it's coming soon to our store. So a new way to uh, to have the magazine with you in a digital format coming soon. Very cool. And I will get back to some of the uh, aspects of putting this year's magazine together due to the fact that this is a bizarre year. There's a lot of unique circumstances. But before we get into that, let's talk about what a lot of people listening to this podcast are going to be interested in. And that is the Athlon Sports Preview Outlook for the Penn State Nittany Lions. Now, I'm sure you're already looking around at some of the other preseason rankings that are coming out from various outlets here and there. And you guys are among them in suggesting that Penn State could be in store for a pretty decent year this year. So Penn State coming into the uh, upcoming 2020 season, I think we all know that Ohio State's still going to be the team to beat. We'll get to them in a bit. But from your point of view, what is your outlook for Penn State this upcoming year? We've got Penn State finishing number five nationally and winning 11 games. And you can probably guess what that one loss is um, to Ohio State. But when we start talking about our rankings every offseason, it is a discussion between, you know, neutral site power ranking, um, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Once you get outside the top four, the top four in especially now that we have to kind of consider who's going to be undefeated, what's the record going to be going into the playoff games because seeding could matter. But, you know, we also look at this, the path argument when we're trying to talk about number four, because this year we think there are, you know, kind of three teams above everyone else. And that second tier of teams, which Penn State is in there, you know, we talked a lot about path. You know, could an 11-1 Penn State team get to the college football playoff with a loss to Ohio State if Oklahoma has two losses, Georgia has two losses, Florida, whoever you like out of the SEC East. So, I think we look at it in a couple different ways. We think Penn State is in that second tier of contenders once you get past Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama. And we also think at 11-1, they have an outside shot to get to the playoff if there's not another team uh, with you know one loss or undefeated. So we think they're in the conversation. We've got them second in the Big Ten East and uh, finishing number five nationally. Yeah, I think when you put any team at number five, you're suggesting that they're going to be on the playoff radar for the majority of the season until, until things go awry. So that's, a again, another positive trend, I think, that Penn State is developing here. And I guess the next question I have to kind of follow up with that, is that more of a realistic outlook for where Penn State is today? Or is it more in relation to the 
the variety of other contenders that may or may not be out there this year. Like you said, there is a clear top tier. And I think, I think the teams that you probably have in that tier are probably going to be Ohio state Clemson and I guess Alabama, but how far of a separation do you see uh, a team like Penn state at number five being uh, one of those top tier teams? I, I think there's a gap. And, and also I, I think when we talk about power rankings and, and trying to get the path to the playoff, you know, our, our top 10, we when we spent uh, you know time breaking it down. We think Georgia's probably a better team than Penn State head to head. But when you look at Georgia's schedule, they have to go to Alabama. They have to play uh, Florida. Then they have to either play Alabama, LSU, A&M, uh, Auburn, whoever it is out of the SEC West. So we had them at two losses. And our, our, our thinking is if Penn State only loses to Ohio State, uh, they're going to be in that conversation to be four, five, or six with 11 victories. And I think just as far as the, the program goes, you know, winning 11 games in three of the last four years, Penn State, the, the, the missing piece for this team is just a trip to the college football playoff. They don't have to be in the conversation. They don't, or I should say, they don't have to be as good as Clemson or, or Ohio State or Alabama is. They just need to keep themselves kind of in the conversation by getting to 11 wins, maybe even losing close to Ohio State. So I think it's they are firmly in that second tier, but I think the rest of college football is still trying to catch Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. Those three are kind of breaking away this season and look like to me the, the easiest and, and best teams to, to win the national championship. Yeah, I'm actually on board with all of what you just said. And I would agree that, you know, if you were going to go head to head with Penn State in Georgia, I would probably lean towards Georgia, if I'm being honest. But it's all about who you're playing, who's on your schedule, you know, just taking care of your own business. And then at the end of the year, kind of figure out where you stand against everybody else. And hopefully in the eyes of the selection committee, it's pretty favorable. But there's a lot of work between now and then. Do do you mind if I I was going to mention Oklahoma is a great example of this. Mm -hmm. You know, Oklahoma, I think on a neutral field, would be probably at least a touchdown or more underdog to Georgia. And, and that's kind of what we're, you know, we talk about path and, you know, we've kind of hit on this, but you know, you don't have to be the number four team as far as power ranking goes to get in the college football playoff. You just have to get yourself to 11 victories or so and have some luck. So, you know, I, I think that's, that's kind of what we're thinking is, you know, path and power ranking. It means a lot in trying to figure out your top 25. Yeah, and what it all comes back to is if you win all of your games, you don't probably have as much to worry about. So we'll That's see right, how that yeah. all plays out. Um, staying on the topic of Penn State, you kind of hit on some of the things. What is the biggest question mark in your mind that Penn State has to address here in 2020? I think the interesting thing to me is how Penn State adapts to a new offensive coordinator with basically no spring practice. And I like Kirk Shiraka. I think it's going to be a great hire long term for Penn State. I think he can help Sean Clifford, uh, you know, over this season and next year take a step forward. I think my biggest concern from a personnel perspective is the receiving core. Uh, I like Pat Fryermuth. We have him as an All-American at tight end. Jahan Dotson is one of our All Big Ten receivers. But I think it's it's the question is going to be who are the number two, three, and four wide receivers, and who steps up. You know, maybe they can find a way to I guess I'm being curious to see how they deploy the running backs because Penn State has, you know, a lot of talent there. Journey Brown was outstanding at the end of last season. So I go back to this offseason is just so weird. And I wonder how teams will adapt to new coordinators or new coaches. 
But I think really Penn State's biggest obstacle is going to be that receiving core because they're going to need playmakers to emerge to beat Ohio State and have a chance to be in the college football playoff this year. I, I know their defense they only bring back five starters. I feel pretty good about that group. I, I think just the the names that are ready to emerge and the talent, that group's going to be fine this year. Yeah, and of course, one of the star players is going to be Micah Parsons, who's already racking up the preseason accolades. And I believe he appears on the regional cover featuring Penn State for Athlon Sports. Uh, so, yeah, there's no question. Michael Parsons is certainly going to be on the strength of a defensive unit that should still be pretty decent. Uh, and I guess kind of flipping the question and kind of touch on some of the strengths, I think. But what do you think is the biggest strength for Penn State this season? You know, I think offensively, I think with eight starters back, experienced quarterback and Sean Clifford, but I, I really like this offensive line. I, I think it can get better. Uh, of course, new assistant coach this season, a left tackle in Rasheed Walker, who I, I think is a rising star. There's a there's a lot of talent, and I think the last year's growth and experience can pay off. And of course, Journey Brown, the way that he played in, in the Cotton Bowl against Memphis, um, I think he can be maybe one of the Big Ten's best running backs, if not the best running back. Uh, by the end of the year, defensively, you know, this group has has consistently ranked near the top of the Big Ten the last couple of years. And with Micah Parsons leading the way, I think it'll be right up there once again. I think if there is a concern on defense, I think it's the secondary, uh, you know, ranked in the 40s and pass efficiency defense. Not bad, but I think some big plays given up and and there's some room to improve. But, you know, overall, this is a team that, Certainly they have question marks, but there's not a lot of glaring ones. The receivers certainly come to mind as a as a potential issue. But with the depth at running back and the offensive line, um, which are, I think, two of the strengths this season, you can kind of mitigate some of those issues. So I think strengths, offensive line, running back. And I, and I think that front seven on defense will be very good this year. One final question about Penn State in particular, and this is not so much for this upcoming season, but head coach James Franklin entering his seventh season in Happy Valley. It seems like uh, it wasn't all that long ago that he became the head coach at Penn State, and it kind of blew my mind when it was. I realized it was already year seven upcoming. And we've already seen that Penn State has really climbed the ladder as far as the national pedigree is concerned, certainly heading into this upcoming season. And we've kind of touched upon just getting to the playoff as the next goal. But where do you rank James Franklin amongst his peers now? Obviously, he's one of those coaches that doesn't have a national championship. But when you take a look at the job he has done and you know, seeing where he stands in the pecking order of coaching or coaches today, where do you see James Franklin? I think he's the best coach in the Big Ten. And I think he's somewhere in the top 10 nationally. And, and it's not just what he's done at Penn State. I mean, you know, certainly he got off to a slow start with 14 wins in his first two years. Of course, there was, you know, the sanctions and trying to build up the program. You know, they finished in the, in the top 10, won 11 games in three of the last four years. So this program has clearly moved forward uh, under his direction and really like like we talked about the missing piece is the playoff but even then you know I think he's firmly one of the top 10 coaches in college football but it's also not just what he did at Penn State I think it's it's just worth considering Vanderbilt pre-James Franklin historically and now after James Franklin uh, he made an immediate difference in that program taking them to bowl games and they were much more nationally relevant and just consider where they are 
right now in the SEC, you know, struggling to win one or two games in the SEC where it was trying to get to seven, eight wins under James Franklin and go to bowl games. So there's proof of concept at a difficult SEC job and one of the Big Ten's better jobs. So I think, like I said, in my mind, he's the best coach in the Big Ten. Ryan Day is a close second, but I think James Franklin clearly are one of the top 10 coaches in the nation. That's a good stopping point for part one of our interview with Stephen Lassen from AthlonSports.com. In our next podcast, I will share more of this interview where we dive into some questions, skipping around the entire Big Ten. We'll also take a look at some of the national storylines to pay attention to this upcoming season. So if you enjoyed this and you want to hear more, make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcasting app of choice, such as iTunes and Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, whatever you're using to listen to podcasts. Make sure you're subscribed. Leave a rating and review if you are so kind, and that way you will get the full interview in our next episode right delivered right to you. We'll take a look at the College Football Hall of Fame ballot that was just released and take a look at the Penn Staters that are on that list. But first, got to talk to you guys about Built Bar. If you're trying to be smarter with your eating habits and maybe you're trying to cut back on the snacks or just find something that fills you up a little bit more to get you through the day, get you through the morning, get you ready for a workout, whatever the case may be. If you need a protein bar that's actually going to satisfy your appetite and taste good for an enjoyable experience, Built Bar is the option for you. They've got a variety of flavors. There are nut flavors. There are nut-free flavors. They are covered in chocolate. They are so chewy and delicious. They are one of a kind, and I cannot stress how much I have enjoyed these. Take the peanut butter brownie flavor, for example. 20 grams of protein, just 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, 3 grams of net carbs. I'm telling you, it's going to get you through the rest of your morning, get you to your lunch break, get you through the rest of the afternoon shift, whatever the case may be. It's going to be there for you. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. So use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. On Tuesday, the College Football Hall of Fame ballot was officially released and three Penn State players appeared on this year's ballot. They are running back DJ Dozier, wide receiver Bobby Ingram, and offensive lineman Steve Wisniewski. I'll get into some of the other key players that are not Penn State related in just a few minutes. But I got to say, if Steve Wisniewski does not get voted in to the College Football Hall of Fame at some point in time, there is something seriously flawed with the way that this whole process is laid out. And as somebody who has had a ballot for the College Football Hall of Fame for a number of years now, I will tell you that the process of putting together the ballot in the first place is not the most convenient way or the most uh, satisfiable way for a lot of people. I think every year that the ballot comes out, you'll see a national writer out there kind of nitpick a little bit with uh, just exactly how the ballot is put together. Obviously, you have to be a first-team All-American by one of the main All-American teams. Uh, recognized by the NCAA in order to qualify to be on the ballot. Now, I get it. You know, the, the Hall of Fame is supposed to uh, honor the greatest players in college football history. And odds are the greatest players will have at one point been at a first-team All-American. But you're ruling out a lot of people almost by default just with the first qualification. There are a couple other things that go into it as well. But it is kind of uh, interesting to see some of the names that will never be able to have a chance to be voted on for the College Football Hall of Fame. Maybe we can get into that at some point in time. But the, our focus right here is the three Penn Staters and whether or not there's going to be a chance that they enter the College Football Hall of Fame this year. I got to say, 
I don't think DJ Dozier is probably ever going to get in. And I think Bobby Ingram's got an outside chance of it at some point, but I don't think it's going to happen this year. I will say Steve Wisniewski feels like he's been waiting around for a while now. And if it's not voted, if he's not voted in this year, I just don't know when it's going to be because uh, he is certainly a well-qualified player. He should certainly be in the College Football Hall of Fame as one of the top offensive linemen. Uh, not only in Penn State history, but really college football history. And of course, he has gone on and he had a terrific pro career, uh, which is well noted. And that what you do in the NFL doesn't necessarily play into your qualifications and your candidacy for the College Football Hall of Fame. But it's hard to ignore. I will say that. But I'm surprised that Steve Wisniewski has been waiting as long as he has. The problem is only a certain number of players will be able to be voted into the College Football Hall of Fame. And oftentimes, an offensive lineman's probably not going to stand up too highly on the pecking order. And because the ballot will change every year, some new players will be eligible for the ballot after, I think it's 10 years after they had last played college football. You're always adding some new names to the mix that are probably going to have a chance to uh, be elected into the Hall of Fame. So it makes it kind of difficult. And there used to be a rule. I don't know if they still have this rule where a school could not have a player voted in in consecutive years. So let's say, you know, Kerry Collins went in a few years back, 2018. So if that rule still qualifies, and I don't know if it does or not, but if that, still, if that rule still existed, then no Penn State player would have been eligible to be voted in in 2019. Although, they would probably still appear on the ballot, which I believe Wisniewski did. So that's what's kind of weird to me. So maybe they changed that. I readily admit that I don't know if they did or not. It is kind of weird, though, that you can't have a player from the same school voted in in consecutive years. You know, sometimes those players are going to be worthy of it, but they have to wait a little bit just because one of their teammates perhaps was voted in the year before. Doesn't really make sense to me. But again, maybe that changed a little bit. But the bottom line is Steve Wisniewski is a college football hall of famer. He just hasn't been voted into the college football hall of fame yet. I will say when I cast my ballot, I will have Wisniewski on there. I'm, I forget how many uh, spots I get to vote for, but I do know Wisniewski is going to be on my ballot. Now, some of the other national names that are included in this year's ballot include Carson Palmer, former USC quarterback, a couple Miami players. Again, Ray Lewis of Miami, uh, Ken Dorsey of Miami. Now, forget what Ken Dorsey did in the NFL because it wasn't very much. Uh, but he was on the moves. He was on that Miami team at the, around the turn of the century that was just beating up everybody. And you know, Penn State was one of those teams that uh, they beat up on uh, up in Happy Valley. Uh, but Ken Dorsey, I don't know if he's worthy of being on here. I think he, a lot of the success that he had was because he was around a loaded roster at Miami. So I'm not going to say that he is a bad college quarterback. I just feel as though he got a, the benefit of being on a really great team with great playmakers at pretty much every position. It almost felt like Ken Dorsey was the weak point of that team. Granted, he was still pretty good, but I just feel as though when you have that much talent around you, uh, it's probably not the hardest job. So, I mean, if I look at Carson Palmer at USC, Ken Dorsey at Miami, uh, you can see that those two are probably on different levels as far as I'm concerned. But we'll see. Ken Dorsey, I 
think this is one of his first years on the ballot, if not his first year. I, I could be wrong on that. Uh, one name of note that uh, is kind of tied to Penn State is Rashawn Salam, Colorado running back. Uh, he is uh, on the ballot this year. He's a former Heisman Trophy winner. Of course, he won the Heisman Trophy back in 1994 ahead of Kajana Carter and, of course, Kerry Collins. Kerry Collins was voted in, like I said, in 2018. I fully expect that Rashawn Salam is going to be inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame, maybe even this year. Uh, and that's another thing. You know, just because you have a Heisman Trophy doesn't necessarily mean that you are a given to be voted into the College Football Hall of Fame. Although I'm guessing the wide majority of them probably have been at this point. <laughs> I haven't cross-referenced that, but it just feels as though if you win a Heisman Trophy, you're going to be in the College Football Hall of Fame. That's just where I come from, uh, or you should be in the College Football Hall of Fame. So there's a couple of names just to keep an eye on. Obviously, uh, Rashawn Salam kind of tied to Penn State uh, with that 1994 season. Hey, he was a, he had a great 1994 season. Not going to take anything away from him and what he did with Colorado. I'm just going to put it out there that Kajana Carter could have had a few more stats too if he was playing more in the second half throughout the majority of the season. But hey, that's, a, that's another story for another day. Uh, so I'll keep a tabs on when the College Football Hall of Fame ballot is released. We'll see if any of these Penn Staters are getting inducted along some of their uh, former Letterman uh, colleagues, uh, including Kerry Collins, like back in 2018. And, of course, former head coach Joe Paterno. So let me know if you think that this is the year for Steve Wisniewski. Reach out to us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. Check out our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. And don't forget to subscribe to our uh, podcasts on all your favorite uh, podcasting apps, such as iTunes and Google Play, Spotify and Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, whatever you're using. Subscribe, rate, review. And then don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash LockedOnNittany. And check out our Twitch channel, Twitch.tv slash LockedOnNittany. Should be having a live stream on Facebook. Friday, just to keep an idea of what could potentially be happening. Might be another test stream, uh, but we had some fun with that recently, and we're going to do some more with that very soon. And I'm also going to update the look of the Twitch channel very soon as well. Got to get that up to speed. I am Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB and tell your smart speaker right now to play the Locked On NFL podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Get your NFL fix as we get ready for the professional side of the world of football moving ahead this fall. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks again for listening. I'll talk to you very soon. We'll be right back.